So here we go then, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Kings of Anglia Itches Town podcast, which is proudly sponsored by Ginger Pickle and Manscaped. Um, as you can hear, it's Roscoe again in the hot seat. Mark Heath is at his favourite place, the Peaks. Um, hope you're enjoying that, my friends. Um, but of course, we're here to discuss another town win. I'm joined by two fine gentlemen in Stuart Watson and AJ, Hartley Young Guns. Boom, boom, boom. Um, but boys, let's just get right into it because another town win, 12 games unbeaten. AJ, over to you, my friend. How's things? Things are very good. Um, well done for getting that intro. Can I just say yes. for people listening, first time after I think probably taking four or five attempts the last time Ross hosted the pod. So I think that's um, a very impressive improvement. I've been good. Uh, I didn't make the trip up to Rotherham as I was off last week for my 23rd, oh, yes. which is terrifying. How was that? How was that? Yes. Terrifying. Uh, you're 23, I, mate. I know, I know. But I'm sure when you turned 23, it was kind of also this thing where you're like, oh, I feel so old now. And I'm sure that when I turn... No, okay, brilliant, fine. This has gone down really well, and I'm sure all the listeners are currently furious with me for saying this. Um, it's been mentioned in the press box a few times. Phil's very angry that I think there's exactly 30 years between us. Um, things like this that uh, doesn't go down too well. But yeah, fairly low-key week. Um went out for a nice dinner and then just relaxed, had a little breather uh, in between the two weekend games of Birmingham and uh, and the Swansea win, binged some Netflix, that kind of stuff, and obviously made all the better with uh, the three points of Portman Road. Definitely, my friend. Um, Stuart Watson was shaking his head if you were, of course, listening through audio. Um, of course, I call Stuart Watson good old Stuart Watson, but that's respect, my friend. That's respect to you. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. 23 is not old, Alex. Youth okay. is wasted on the young. You are in your prime. Trust me. Um, Ross, that was that was a 10 out of 10 intro today. Solid. And I'm slightly worried that you. the, the reason for it is that you made us sit and watch you eat a bowl of cereal for two minutes before we came on. Is that the preparations that's required now? Yeah, that's my new, that's my new um, ritual now. Every time I go to a pod, I have a bowl of uh, Rice Krispies, if you're asking, ladies and gentlemen. I've, I've got into Rice Krispies, Stu. This is my new favourite thing. <laughs> Add it to the list. What, what are the other things that you've you've kind of discovered later Oranges, in life? Oranges. Yeah, um, prawns. Prawns. Prawn sandwiches was a big thing. That um, was big for you, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. Rice Krispies, the new one. Yeah, new things. So, um, but yeah, it just got me ready to give you some energy, ladies and gentlemen. Some energy on this Monday. It's very dark in Suffolk right now. It's just this time of year, isn't it? Very dark outside. But, boys, we're lighting up, though, at Portman Road because we've got um, some more goals. Another win. And um, it's just becoming just the, the, the norm, isn't it? Although, of course, we did have back-to-back draws the last time out, boys. But we're here to talk about another town win, of course, the Blues beating Swansea 3-2. Michael Duff, Swansea Stew. Of course, we battled with his sides against Barnsley and Cheltenham in the passing league one. But um, your overall thoughts before we get into McKenna clips and key moments of the game? Overall thoughts are that that was much more like it, Ipswich Town. We'd been talking about them, maybe just dipping a little bit in terms of performance levels after the previous international break. Um, yes, two draws on the road against Birmingham and, and Rotherham and not to be sniffed at um, at all, but there was just a, just a feeling with the Plymouth game and the Bristol game sort of thrown into the mix at all that 
weren't quite at those early season standards. Well, we'll, we'll kind of probably dissect it in a bit more detail. But for an hour of this game, that was that was vintage Ipswich Town. It was good to watch. Yeah, it was indeed. Um, AJ, um, of course, unfortunately, you missed the Rotherham game, obviously because it was your birthday. Um, but you're back um, to see another win. Yeah, quick thoughts on before we get into the nuts and bolts at all. Uh, having fun with some car alarm that's just been going off behind <laughs> that, me. Yeah. Joys of Cambridge, make me mute myself on here. Uh, yeah, much more like it. I think that uh, post-international break, Ipswich, I think partially due to the Rotherham game initially being called off, has been definitely down a level or two. Um, this just felt like they were getting up to speed a lot more. You look at the Birmingham game, they felt a little bit sluggish at times. They just felt they came up against a side that I wouldn't say had their number, but had a very good way of limiting them. You look at the games before then, Plymouth caused a load of issues and probably the toughest team that Town have faced so far this season in terms of a side that really could have gone and gotten a good result. Um before then, the Bristol City game was quite a grind, especially towards the end, some really good signs. And then they found it quite hard to hang on towards the end. I thought the legs kind of definitely went a little bit in those stages. And this just feels like they needed to get to this point now where they've had the games and they feel fresh again. And they felt maybe not quite 100%. And I think that there were moments in that game that will be frustrating. And we'll touch on those in a minute in terms of what Kieran McKenna wasn't. Uh, a fan of, but overall, there was such a clear improvement. And I think, well, two sides of it, and we can discuss this in a bit. Is it a good thing that there's an international break now or not? Because it's going to be a couple of weeks without a game. And they really need to maintain the levels and improve on the levels that they showed over the weekend. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so, shall we hear from good old K Dogs, do? Now, K Mac, Kieran McKenna, um, the town, it's your town manager. Um, he won't probably be happy for me calling K Dog once again. But let's hear about the early stages and town can see an early goal once again. Let's see what he's had to say. Getting back to the early stages of the game, um, you conceded in the early part of the match. Uh, again, as you have done recently, mm. it's a hell of a strike from Jack Taylor to, to get you back in it. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, look, it was. It's, of course, quite unusual for us because I think over the last year, over the last two years on Sabina, we've started games really, really well, and especially at home, we've we've traditionally come out of the blocks really, really fast, and um, that didn't quite happen in the first few minutes today. Swansea started the game, you know, better, but we're talking about I'm not sure what minute the goal was on, but it was really early, so they looked a little bit sharper first few minutes, and of course they score with their first chance with a set play. So um, that's the margins in football. We had a set play a minute later with Connor that could have scored and if he'd have scored his and they hadn't scored theirs we probably would say it's a fact it was a really good start so yeah strange for us to concede another early goal of course we'll look at it but you know um, sometimes things just do come in cycles a little bit um, but the response was excellent of course Jack's goal you know massive credit for him big day for him deserves hopefully all the plaudits he'll get for the goal and for his all round performance was excellent and um, for the way that we played in the in the large part of the rest of the game the chances we created the penetration that we had um i said the only the only frustration in our attacking players that we didn't go and get i won't put a number on it but there was there was a lot of goals out there for us today so Stu, where do you want to start then my friend another early goal to concede at portman road normally town are the ones out the blocks you know penetrating teams as mckenna said um yeah just annoying again though to concede that early goal 
it's becoming a bit of a theme, isn't it? I think that's five five games in a row now, which have conceded inside the opening quarter of an hour. Just looking looking back at um, the previous games, uh, yeah, Sam Nombe four minutes at Rotherham, Jay Stansfield thirteen minutes at Birmingham, Harry Wilson nine minutes Fulham, Morgan Whitaker seven minutes for Plymouth at Portman Road. So. Yeah, we're starting to build up a little bit of a sample size here. Kieran McKenna argues that sometimes things just kind of happen in cycles in football. Um, it's a balancing act between kind of analysing that and trying to work out why it's happening, but also maybe not getting too fixated on it as well. But um, yeah, um, it, obviously the goal sort of compounded things, but it was a pretty sluggish start from Ipswich in general, really. And, and there's a slight fear that... Um, not fear, that's that's overplaying it, but that teams maybe have started to kind of work out how to play against Ipswich. I think they'll have looked at, Swansea will have looked at the way Birmingham and Rotherham got some joy against Ipswich by being uh, direct, physical, press high, um, have people sitting on the two central midfielders to, to prevent this kind of playing out from the back that Ipswich want to do. And um, for that first kind of 15 minutes or so, um, Ipswich were kind of penned in and frustrated a little bit and as I say to compound things Swansea get a goal as well Yeah AJ where are you at then in that first 15 minutes must have been frustrated to see and yeah Swansea getting that, that early goal Yeah frustrated to see because I think that you could see the patterns from the previous two games where but you could disagree with it especially in terms of the Birmingham game but Town were not at their best and, and they didn't get the win and there were frustrating signs from there and you could just see similar patterns. Now, obviously, at Portman Road especially, those don't usually materialise into negative results, um, but there were definitely, again, as you want to say, maybe not cause for concern, but things that we've seen in the last few weeks where you're thinking, this is not like the town of old that we've seen. This is not like the town that we saw at the start of the season. Um the positive was, and it's kind of what I touched on earlier in terms of them getting back to the side that we saw at the start of the season, um, is that they managed to do that quite quickly. Um, and it just felt like they, they did snap out of it and they did need, a, as I kind of said, a, a moment of magic to make that happen. Um, sometimes that's what you need. Sometimes it's not going to be easy when you go 1-0 down and you have to try and break break down uh, an opponent who would have had the basis of research to look at, you know, high pressing, limiting the two midfielders, uh, trying to isolate the fullbacks, things like that. Um, and the response was really good. It was very good. And of course, Jack Taylor was mentioned in the McKeon McKenna clip, but of course he came in for Massimo Luongo. Of course, he scored uh, midweek against Rotherham. Um, not what Stu wanted in uh, that game. It was just a, you know, in the box scramble, nice little tap in. This one though, Stu, this was the fond the bastard you were looking for. What a strike from Jack Taylor! Yeah, should we address that elephant in the room yeah. now on the predictions league? I'm I'm in danger of getting cut adrift now at the moment. I don't know if you've got the points tally there. Um, in Alex's birthday absence last week, in an act of desperation, I I did propose. <laughs> Uh, that maybe we could have a wild card that could get played. Uh, I mm -hmm. did play that early and it got played one game too early, didn't it? I thought Jack Taylor might get the nod at Rotherham. He didn't. He came off the bench. He scrambled one in and then he goes and scores from outside the box a few days later, frustratingly for me. 
Um, predictions league-wise, it's feeling like, you know when Paul Lambert came in at Ipswich and yeah. those first few games, you kind of think, oh, there might be a chance here still. We're playing okay. We're, so, we're getting so close to some results here. It just needs something to, to fall and it could all turn and then it just drifts and drifts away from you and that's that's where I'm feeling like I'm at at the moment in this predictions league, but still a bit of time to go. Um, listen, who cares about my prediction? The main thing is, is that Jack Taylor scored an absolute beauty. Um, we know he's got it in his locker. We'd seen his highlights reel when he came came to Ipswich. He talked about being someone who likes to get goals, who, who likes uh, who likes to get spectacular ones as well. And that that certainly was that one. One thing in his mind when Connor Chaplin rolled the ball out to him, Inside left, took one touch back inside to set himself, and then um, and then just wellied it with with bend with dip. Um, there's a lovely shot of him kind of uh, hovering in midair after he's kind of struck the ball. Um, yeah, unstoppable, hell of a strike, and that that was probably the biggest moment in this game, really, because if if the time had ticked on, if Swansea had been able to kind of take the sting out of things, um, they're a team that had were undefeated in their last four away games. Um, they're very organised. They're very hard working. That could have been a, you know, a bit of frustration could have crept into to the atmosphere a little bit. But instead, um, that goal kind of changed the entire mood. Yeah, it did, AJ. Um, and that's when you you'll see you know fans from the terraces say shoot. But although I don't think I heard any shoot, you know shoot sh- um, chance there because I think uh, you just didn't think he was going to shoot from that distance, but. As Stu said, he's got that in his locker. <laughs> yeah, what a strike, my friend. Yeah, I think you could always... I'd never rule out Jack Taylor shooting from that distance because he has it in his locker. He likes doing it. It's a big part of his game. I think it was just the way that the game was set up that we didn't really expect it. With the way that Chaplin ran in, it was a slightly strange move where he set it back for him. And the way that he did that made you think, especially with the way that Tam were playing, it's quite a kind of a slow, methodical wait for the spaces to open up try and bring players out of position. It, it wasn't maybe like the let's go and tear this team to shreds. They had to be quite patient. And I think that was because they were 1-0 down. And because um, Swansea's setup was, I wouldn't go as far as kind of like proper low block territory, but it was also a case where when they were out of possession, they did need to push numbers back. Um, and so it wasn't a case of going through and tearing them to pieces. This was one where they were looking like they wanted to be patient. Jack Taylor, probably not a patient man by the looks of it. Um, what a strike. Um, maybe I don't think it's quite as uh, on the level of the, the Wolves' goal, but um, he has it in his locker. He clearly likes Portman Road. I think that's his first league start at Portman Road, is what Stu said. So, um, really wonderful moment for him and, yeah, really what Town needed to get back into this game. Yeah, and um, just quickly... You know, talk about the prediction leagues too. Sorry to bring it up again. Um, I think the wild card. I'm, I'm happy to, for us to have three of them. I think because it's a long season. We've got 30 games to go. So I'm, if you guys are happy with three wild cards, we can do that. And are we going to go into a full full blown discussion about the rules of this during the fall? Maybe, part? maybe, maybe. Um, have I'll you get... seen the leaderboards? Yeah, we're joint top, aren't we? AJ, yes, I think. So 21 each. Yeah, and then we've got Mark with 15 and Stu on 10. You, you, had, you, you had a you had a right touch, didn't you? Because you wanted to go with three one, Alex. Yeah, then, I um, um, I was actually going to take two one, and okay. I had this. There's this thing right, where Ross, in my eyes, has been a little bit sneaky in previous weeks, at least, where he's gone, "What's your prediction?" And then he's gone, 
Oh, yeah, that's mine as well. Uh, which is interesting, considering that he was top. Um, this happened with the Rotherham one as well. I think it happened along. It happened previously as well, and he, he argued it wasn't. He did it on the pod. Fair enough. Okay. Um, I did get Ross's first before going with a pick, and I was slightly annoyed with the fact that Ross had picked my prediction that I had in my head. So I thought, I'm not having this. I'm, I've got to catch up. Uh, went out to my comfort zone with the Portland Road Goal Fest, and that's what it turned out to be so thank you ross for that one you shot yourself in the foot and yep. brought me right back into it yeah yeah aj printed three two so he got maximum points uh, he didn't get the first goal scorer but he gets four points uh Heathy was not happy though um in the group chat when of course swansea made it three two because he had three one so he would have got maximum points and he would have brought himself back up but i'm um, still early days though Stu. you're on 10 points now so you're on that two two figures which is good um but there we go well let's move on then to another goal for town, Connor Chaplin, trademark Connor Chaplin. I've seen the stat um, by good old renegade stat man. Um, he's now moved into the top 30 all-time goal scorers at town, Stu, which is just mad to think. But um, yeah, another trademark Connor Chaplin goal, that. Yeah, not bad considering this is, what, his third season? Yeah. Third season for Ipswich Town to, to be up in that sort of rarefied air with some big names at this football club. Um, it's quite something. Um, really good finish. Um, it comes from a from a throw in from Leaf Davis. I, I noted watching the replay back that Matt Grimes sort of kicked the ball away to prevent Ipswich taking a quick throw, which they normally try and sort of get the ball back on the pitch and keep the ball live as quick as possible. But um, he kicked it away, which then enabled Leaf to kind of wind up a long one. It's great strength from from George Hurst just beyond the near post to kind of hold off. Um, a couple of markers and then sort of engineer the ball on and um, it's an awkward it's an awkward bouncing ball really for, for Connor Chaplin if you if you see the still pictures of, of the strike he's had to get his leg right up sort of over his hip and, and over the ball and um, and really accurately sort of fires it inside the near post and that's 2-1 but that sort of capped off a pretty mad five six minute spell after that Jack Taylor goal where sort of ball hell broke loose and Ipswich had no exaggeration, three golden opportunities to score before that Chaplin one came along. Yeah, AJ, I feel like when we when we score, and definitely if it's an equaliser, it just sparks town to life, doesn't it? I just feel like, well, here we go, we're alive now, and let's go and score some goals, and that's what they do. Yeah, um, I think, as I kind of touched on, they, they can get frustrated and they sometimes need something to kind of kick them into life. Jack Taylor this time what was the turnaround between the two goals? Something like five minutes or something like that between the two was not very much. Um, from the second one to put town ahead, I thought probably in the moment, the one thing that stood out to me was the George Hurst work rates, the effort to hold up the ball, turn his man. Um, he's had some really tough games recently where kind of as the lone striker, I think he's found it tough and, and he wants to score more goals. He's been quite adamant in the sense that it's not just goals to his game. Uh, which is absolutely true, but he wants to be on more uh, and he has found that hard. But this was one of those where you get to see a little bit of everything. Things fell for him. His work was all just pulling off. It was going so, so well. Um, and then a really nice finish from, from Chaplin. And as Stu said, that's what kick-started these absolute chaotic moments. Uh, a couple of one-on-ones. There's the one where Connor Chaplin goes straight through and then... Looks like it's a very easy finish for him of all players as well. Someone who I kind of see as 
maybe I wouldn't go as far as selfish, but someone who is going to take the chance to score himself if he has it. And then he goes to pass and passes to a Swansea player when he has the chance to squares the ball. Very strange from uh, kind of what I've seen of him so far this season. Someone who likes to shoot from his own halfway line and hit the post a couple of times. Um, and then another one with Amari Hutchinson where he gets played in the same position. He, this time, does go to shoot, smacks it at the goalkeeper. Um, and then another chance, I believe, with Nathan Broadheads, which I don't remember too well, and I can't remember it flashing up on the highlights from what I looked at, but uh, had, an XG of, yeah, had an XG Broadhead of 0.57 or something ridiculous. So really a chance for... Yeah, not not Ross's not Ross's um, thing, and I'm sure I've got some listeners like screaming at me. It's, at the it's not for me, Alex. I have to admit. The Are you sure? Stuff. Yeah. Not, oh, Mark is Mark's getting right into it. I've I've got him right on board. Okay. And I've got Twitter. I, I don't, I don't need a, I don't need a naught point something number put on a on a chance <laughs> that I've seen with my own eyes to know that that was just a big chance. Uh, mm. Was it on Broadhead or was that on Hutchinson? I think that might have been. Amari maybe needing to take a little bit more care with that that square ball across the six yard box possibly, but um, uh, all three of those chances that you've just mentioned were were big ones, weren't they? Um, yeah, thankfully that second goal did did come before we could kind of uh, worry too much about whether that that would come back to haunt Ipswich. But that that was a mad five six minute spell where Ipswich um, really really should have put put their foot down and. Uh, opened up a bigger margin. Yeah, sorry, AJ. I did the partridge shrug when you said the XG because uh, <laughs> I don't really care. I only care if it goes into the back of the net, to be honest. Um, but yeah, uh, any other business from the first half then, boys? Just uh, It was just a mad first half because, yeah, I think when that that second goal went in, I think it just sort of calmed down the game a little bit, didn't it? And not, many, not much else really happened, in, in, from, from what I can remember anyway. Yeah, they... they... It's a bit of a, a similar case to what we've seen in the last few weeks at Portman Road, where Town have had this little flurry where they've created lots of chances. And I think the one game that springs to mind with this was the Blackburn one, where from that first half, it could have been about 15 nil up or something ridiculous. They were just tearing Swansea to pieces. And it's one of those where, again, it, it didn't come back to bite them in the end, of course, but you just want them to just have a, a, a even one more goal in there, just to have that bit more of a cushion. Um, going into the break, you've got a, a period where you're really pushing a team when you're really just putting them to the sword. Don't let them go back into the break where the manager can sit them down and say, here's what you can do to stop it. Um, didn't really happen with Swansea, but I think it's an area where Kieran McKenna would like to just be able to go into a break where his side have created lots of chances and scored lots of goals, seen it a few times. Um, but I think there is still room for improvement in that perspective. Stu, anything from you or should we go into the second half? No, not not really. That was the only the only blip really was that you go, oh, great, great comeback again, great character shown to going behind, but there was just those nagging doubts going into half time that could those missed chances come back to sort of haunt Ipswich. Hurst had a good 1v1 chance right at the latter stages of that half with some really good play from Sam Morsey to put him down the right side of the box. And in that little chaotic period, Burgess had a header saved at a corner as well, didn't he? So, um, yeah, that was the only the only thought process that, yeah, finally Ipswich. It felt like to me they'd kind of worked out the puzzle and on the job and they're very good at doing this. And I think they're so well coached by Kieran McKenna 
that they are able now as players to fill the the tactical setup of a game and work out. I think McKenna's shown them so much video and at half time he sits down and says, Well, that this is how it's working out. I think they're clever enough now to work it out in in game. And they'd worked out that sort of the way Swansea were trying to press them high. Um, they just started going that little bit more direct and not in a direct long ball way, but we're just clipping clipping the ball over the press. Chaplin was finding Swansea had left big big gaps between kind of the attack and defence and Chaplin was having a field day picking up little pockets of space Hutchinson down the right as well and they they just kind of figured it out um you look at the end possession of this game I think it was which had 38 percent or something like that which is really low for a home game unusual for Ipswich but it just shows you that possession possession stats really really don't mean too much because anyone who watched that game will know that Ipswich created so so many chances. I think twenty-two shots on on goal in the end. So, um, yeah, that was that was the thoughts going into half time. Just um, you know, make 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 sure you uh, you know that that doesn't come back to bite you. Indeed. Um, well, let's go into the second half then, boys, and uh, we're going to hear from McKenna because um, it was a a lot of hap- a lot of things happening in that early stage of that second half. Let's see what he's got to say about a penalty at last and uh, Clark's disallowed goal. Did you get your penalty at last? Yeah, yeah, it took, you know, they had to take a goal off us on the set piece to give us the penalty, but we got one in the end. So, um, yeah, that was important to, to kill the goal. I say, yeah, I didn't think there was there was anything wrong with Clarkie's goal, and that was frustration, frustrating because we worked so hard on our set player routines and it was, a, it was a terrifically worked routine to score the goal that was disallowed for. For a block that was pretty anonymous, um, but of course we got the penalty a couple of minutes later, and and that really gives us the comfort in the game. In the game. Hi right, boys, who can help me out here? Why is Parry Clark's goal been disallowed? I've watched it back many times, and I don't know why it's been disallowed. Can someone clarify for me? Fisticuffs in the box was my kind of take at the time. Um, was a physical game, but having watched it back, having seen it in the moment it was a really strange one yeah i'm not sure if she has anything else to add on to that one in terms of what on earth went on there bemused at the time didn't see anything but you 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 always kind of think oh maybe when i watch the replay there'll be something obvious that i didn't spot in real time but you're right you watch it back and it's six of one half a dozen of the other standard kind of players trying to block each other off and and hustle for the ball you You'd get a foul given at every single set piece if uh, if that was the case. So um, that felt like a moment of of major injustice. You're starting to think on top of not taking our chances in that first half, refereeing decisions against us. Is this is this the perfect storm that's going to kind of set up a, a comeback? But thankfully, um, there wasn't too long to dwell on that because finally Ipswich got their first penalty this season. What a couple of minutes later. Yeah, we did. I'm um, just going to quickly uh, dust off the, the dust from the penalty klaxon. So let's click that. And um, yeah, penalty at last, AJ. And uh, George Hurst could have had many of these, um, definitely at Rotherham. Um, we had a few penalty shouts in the first half, didn't we, boys, as well in this game? Um, but yeah, we finally got it. Here's the question for you. Do you know the answer to this one? When was Town's last yeah. penalty? Fair. Well, not recent, but it's... Uh... I think a fairly memorable one, one that I'd heard about before, well, before my time, but also one that I'd uh, heard about a few a few times that has been mentioned. Any any ideas, Ross? 
Was it the Exeter game? No. The Broadhead, no? The last penalty was the Barnsley Broadhead miss. Oh. This season? Exeter. What? This season? Oh, no, we're not playing Barnsley. <laughs> What's That's Exeter? interesting one. No, as far as I could tell, there was no penalty at Exeter. They were all open play goals, and the last one would have been uh, the Barnsley the Barnsley really one where um, Broadhead missed. It didn't really matter in the end. Um, I'm really worried now that Stu's going to expose me brutally if he can remember this I swear now. There was one night against Exeter. Maybe I don't know because I know it's you know from from my it. research that I did on that day. There was no, or not on that day, but on over the weekend there was no penalty. Oh my god, there was a penalty from that one. It was the Broadhead penalty. So the last one, I've been I've been hoisted by my own petard. There was a. Uh, a broadhead penalty from that one. So the first one since that day, but it's the first one of the season. Um, yeah, probably how many more do we think that they should have had in that time? Cool. Plenty. I'm, I'm, off the top of my head, there was the, the Hurst one at Sunderland opening day where Chaplin shot comes back off the bar and he just gets yeah. his legs kicked from behind. QPR was a, was a bit more kind of... 50-50, Steve Cook, I seem to remember, that was on Hurst as mm. well. There must be some other examples. Rotherham, well, obviously, Robert midweek, last week, week yeah. had um, strong shouts for two. And then, as you say, in the first half of this game, um, I thought the one, I didn't think the one on Hutchinson was was a penalty. I thought he went down a little bit cheaply. Um, but the Jack Taylor went, if you remember, sort of George Hurst sort of, went to ground and, and sort of unconventionally sort of laid the ball off for Taylor. I thought he kind of got barged off off balance. I thought that that was a, anywhere else on the pitch. I think that gets given as a foul. So, um, yeah, for for all the noise around, I was interested to hear Kieran McKenna's comments the other week after the Rotherham game saying about how much noise Plymouth made about ultimately what we're talking about probably should have been a free kick outside the box and a yellow card when you boil it down and how much they kind of fuss they made about that being a game-changing incident and and Kieran's not really made that same level of noise for some some much bigger moments in this season um so yeah there's no way the referee could ignore the one that he was given this time it was um a bizarre a bizarre foul to, to make, really, wasn't it? Yeah. And um, then, fight. Big fight comes on. <laughs> well, not really, not really. It was, but it was a little bit of a little bit of handbags. And, of course, Swansea gets a uh, player sent off, AJ. Um, ten men for the Swans. Yeah, I think it's oh, been... Oh, of course, obviously, Hurst, of course, oh, Hurst scored the penalty. The penalty. <laughs> we should stress that yeah. this, this penalty did go into the net. Rushworth <laughs> kind of... It was a slightly... Right to centre shot. Um, I think Rushworth kind of goes well, he goes the right way, but it's going straight over him. Really nice hit from Hurst. Um, and then I don't know whether this was exactly planned, but Swansea, as I kind of said in the match report, decided to turn it into a bit of a WrestleMania main event. Um, it was an interesting approach where they had a bit of aggression kind of throughout this game, and I think it was a bit about unsettling. Ipswich and unsettling the crowd and all those things, but uh, they really got stuck in. They were really trying to fight and get physical. You look at the penalty incident, you look at the fact that the penalty came from a free kick. Um, it was not the only one in that kind of little bit. I think Leaf Davis drew maybe three fouls off the top of my head. Um, 
and then obviously the one that he draws the last of the three is the one that wins uh, Town of Free Kick on the edge of the area and gets Cullen sent off for Swansea. So the first yellow comes from, well, from what we believe, I think was the fisty cuffs with Connor Chaplin in the first half where they got into a little bit of a fight. I think both players got booked there. Second one... Bit handbags, wasn't it? Yeah. I, look, I looked back at it. I think um, there was a feeling that Nathan Broadhead went down a little bit cheaply and they, they might have had a case looking back at that. <laughs> and uh, Cullen comes in and, and lets his feelings be known. And um, as we've seen so often, do you remember the incident at Southampton where uh, Amari Hutchinson gets manhandled and Wes Burns oh, and Coa yeah. quickly on the scene? It was very, very similar again here. Connor Chaplin very quick to come in and back up his teammate, bit of pushing and shoving. Leif Davis, if you watch the replay of that, is quite yeah. late on the scene. He comes in, barges one out the way, um, pulls another man away from from the scene as well. So that that's a sign of the camaraderie and the spirit in this group. But that's where that first yellow yellow card came from. Um, and then, yeah, could have no no complaints at all about the second. That was another nice little bit of play, and he's just kind of bundled Leaf over from behind as, as he was about to burst into the box. That was a glorious clip. I, I saw this one on Twitter. I, think. I know Ross did as well because I saw he liked it. Um, you just see, I think there are two players there. Off the top of my head, I think it's Harris Nashby and someone else there. I can't remember who kind of cornered Connor Chaplin and he's just getting totally pushed away. Connor Chaplin, obviously, not the maybe biggest and most intimidating man in a 2v1 kind of fight. Leif Davis rushes in, bam. Absolutely superb. Uh, really loved that. Um, sometimes you've got to meet fire with fire a little bit. And I think that Town did it in a way where they didn't let the anger and the frustration get to them, potentially in a way that Swansea did. Um, they didn't lose their heads. They didn't get frustrated. They didn't, you know, surround the referee and turn it into something that they didn't want it to be and that Swansea did. Um, and it ended up with kind of Swansea shooting themselves in the foot in the end. Their emotion, emotional control is is pretty impressive, isn't it? And I keep saying it about them being a reflection of, of their manager. Mm. But it's really hard to tread that fine line between not being bullied. And I think there's some teams now we've started to see that, okay, you try and do what Hull did and you go toe-to-toe in a football match and you're you're gonna you're gonna find out. So maybe the way to do it is trying to ruffle a few feathers and be physical and get in their faces. Well, Ipswich might not be a team of physical monsters necessarily, but they they certainly you know stand up for themselves and um, they're prepared to kind of to fight and scrap as as well, which is great. But also, as Alex says, not allow themselves to ever kind of lose their heads and lose their emotional control in, in games as well. So um, that's a really impressive quality from this team. Definitely. And uh, AJ, so I'm being distracted. When you guys speak, I'm just looking at you, AJ. And you, I don't know, you've got some sun hitting. Like, what, is that We've got a lot going you? on. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. And I've tried to readjust this massive thing I have behind me. We have no blinds on these windows. Um okay. So I can try and move things across a little bit. I'm more worried about you. Is that not affecting your, like, uh, you know, um, rave Aside going from, like, being blind, there's, yeah, hang on. Oh, oh that's bit. kind of gone worse. Okay, there we go. I think that's might have sorted it a little bit. Again, I say this most weeks, but this is why you subscribe to see me getting absolutely 
blinded by Ross was talking about being dark and drizzly over and so oh, it's not even gone away, it's shining through the thing. Um, this is um, the sun of Cambridge, it never rains in Cambridge, it's never, never depressing or or gray or anything like that. And this is why we have the need for whatever you want to call this screen shields. Um, I might have to go get sunglasses from my car or something like that at this point. Um, a little bit of an update, though, for, for the listeners and viewers. So the sun is actually now shining in Itchwich. Uh, Itchwich? Can't speak. Can't speak. Can't speak in Kesgrave. Um, so, yeah, that is good. I to thought see. you were going to update us on your driving test. Uh, <laughs> move on. Uh, let's hear about McKenna's <laughs> frustration on the ending, boys, because it was a nervy ending. Let's see what he had to say on that. Is that the frustration, having kind of solved the puzzle, come from behind? Put yourself in front. That, that game should have been well out of sight towards the latter stages. Yeah, it should have been out of sight, and I didn't like how we, I didn't like how we played the last fifteen minutes in the against the ten men. I didn't like our concentration levels. Um, I didn't like our, our humility to realise that the other team still Jamal Lowe is a very good player. We still have to be concentrated. We dropped the concentration levels, and um, that's a frustration in the dressing room at the moment and, and that's a good thing because it's it's not just a frustration in the staff room, it's a frustration in the dressing room that, you know, we um we didn't maintain our, our standards for the last fifteen minutes of that game. I guess it's you've said before it's a nice when you can learn your lessons and still take the three points from it. Definitely. No doubt about it and, and that's been the case in lots of games this year. You know, sometimes um you know, something goes against you. Like on on Tuesday night, we didn't quite do something right on a set piece, and you get punished. And other days, you know, it doesn't. But you still got to try and learn the lesson. So, yeah, there's there's a lesson in there. But look, of course, on the other hand, you know, massive credit to the to the group, massive credit to the response, massive credit to how we played um, throughout the first half, the way we come out the second half, the way we chased down, built pressure for the third goal. There was some some outstanding things in there. Um, but for us, the, the process is always just look at what we've done well, but also look at the, the bits that we can improve. And, and that was, you know, one in terms of a concentration at the end that um, the group are frustrated about. Um, and we'll, we'll uh, I'm sure, make us stronger. Right then, Stu. Do you want to talk about the nervy ending? Uh, Swansea, yeah. of course, pulled a goal back. But uh, yeah, where were you at about that frustrating ending for town? What's the opposite? You know the term shit sandwich? Mark Heath likes to use it quite a bit. That where you where you um where you hide a, a fairly significant bit of bad news with with a good news at the start and a good news at the end, but really the, the main piece is that there's a chunk of bad news in the middle. That was the opposite in this game. The the bread either side of the the very tasty meaty filling was was maybe a little bit stale. Um, we talked about the start of the game. The end of this game wasn't wasn't great either. Um, and Kieran's right; they they switched off a little bit. Dare I say it? Maybe a little bit of of arrogance or complacency just crept in. They thought three one up against ten men, job done here. It didn't help that things got a little bit stop start. There was a, a couple of injury stoppages. During those injury stoppages, the crowd sort of amused themselves with some chants about Norwich's demise at that stage, who were who were losing at that moment, and maybe that translated a little bit to the to the players as well. A few substitutions and things like that. I thought there were signs actually before the red card that that Ipswich had just started to switch off a little bit. I thought, hang on, just make sure you keep the back door shut here. There was a couple of little moments around the hour mark where they 
there was a couple of give and goes and Swansea got into some some dangerous positions and I thought just got to just sharpen up and keep keep some focus here because um, you know they're not they're not a bad team Swansea they've still got some players in there that can hurt you and um yeah in the end it made for a pretty nervy finish there was a warning sign I think in the final minute of the game where Hagki has to make a a really good 1v1 save um and then obviously they score uh what five minutes in into added on time and we're all left biting our, our fingernails bizarrely yeah of course nine minutes gets put up and um yeah town fans singing carol road is falling down i won't repeat the rest of the song actually should, should i i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it i won't say the the one thing it's a bit of a rude word yeah carol road is falling down wagner is a suffering clown Delia is staying 10 more years. Itchwood fans are on the beers. And that went on for a good 10 minutes, didn't it, boys? And I thought that was just a nice little touch, a nice little well-done creativity there from town fans. But AJ, where are you at then? Nine minutes on the board. Swansea, pull a goal back. And then, yeah, as Stu said, biting our nails. I'd, I'm not going to criticise anyone here, but I, I think creativity is pushing it a little bit. I don't know if you've seen this chant all over Twitter. Um, I think it started off with City fans chanting oh, yeah. at um, yeah. Old Trafford. And I might have heard it on oh, about 50 highlights packages since. Um, I know that I think it might have been Southampton fans chanting it the other week at Millwall about Portsmouth. It, it's a bit of a running theme, this one. I, I don't dislike it at all. And I think it was quite nice to hear it fairly loud at Portman Road. What is going on with this light? Um, but yeah, I wouldn't go with uh, necessarily creativity. But, yeah, the ending, again, maybe one that we've seen a little bit. Town don't seem to concede too many where it's late on and they're sucker punches. They obviously had the one in midweek at Rotherham. But other than that, it's not ones where it's, oh, they've let this team in and it's a stoppage time equaliser, a stoppage time winner for them. It's not really the way. And in important moments, it feels like they stay switched on. It's deciding what is and what isn't an important moment that maybe um, the concern, maybe not concern, but th- there is something to highlight within that where this has happened a few times. You look at the Plymouth game, one where they felt comfortable and then they concede late on through quite a, a poorly defended moment. Um, and all of a sudden you've got this long period of stoppage time, which we know is very much a thing in the championship. And they've got to then hold on in a game where, Things should have been comfortable and it should have been a really easy win. I think to an extent it maybe takes a little bit of the gloss off it when you look at the results. Um, Performance-wise, absolutely not. I think it is a sense where it, it could have been a little bit more comfortable. It could have been a much, well, not a much nicer margin, but a, a nicer margin for town. Um, not the end of the world, but I do think one that they will be frustrated by and it does also come back to the thing of Portman Road scoring lots of goals and conceding lots of them as well where again it's another team that have come to IP1 scored twice and it's also in terms of scoring uh, I am going to get a stat right in this pod at least once it's um, they've only scored fewer than three goals at home once this season in the league and that was the Stoke game at the start of um, August I think that was the first home game that's the only one. Wow. And you throw in the fact that there was plenty of four, five, six nils at Portman Road in the back end of last season as well. It's um, 
we keep saying it, the stats are just ridiculous, aren't they, in terms of the, the amount of goals they score. And I know people are now going, well, is this main, is this sustainable? Can you keep going behind? Can you keep conceding two goals on a regular basis and, and win games? That's got to catch up on you at some point, hasn't it? Well, does it? When, you, when you're capable of scoring this many goals and creating this many chances, it's not a fluke. We've got a pretty pretty sizable sample size now. Um, yeah, uh, look, the, the ending to the game, I agree. It wasn't just a... The Brotherham one was a bolt out of the blue. That was... I know that they talked afterwards about we came away from our principles and they weren't happy with that goal. For me, that was just a bout of head tennis. They couldn't get it clear and a guy thumps it in the top corner. Sometimes you have to hold your hands up. This one was a sustained period where they let the standards drop a, a little bit. Um, I think it was a, a Cameron Burgess error that led to that hacky save. There were some other bits and pieces. Luke Wolfenden looks far too casual for me when Jamal Lowe goes round the outside of him for the goal. It was a, sort of a combination of standards dropping across the team. I think that, that, that you could see in real time that maybe they thought the job was done. So there is a lesson to learn from that. But the good thing is, as Kieran said, has said before and referenced in that interview is it's great when you can learn a lesson and still win the game and maybe it's a bit of a blessing in disguise that this wasn't another comfortable hole type win where they racked up a, a big margin a goal margin I don't think they would have probably been able to win by enough to have gone top of the table but um, there's enough kind of hype and noise around Ipswich at the moment um, something that kind of dampens that externally and maybe just reminds everybody within the camp as well how hard they've got to keep working might not be a bad thing in in the long run i don't know but the main thing is it was another three goals and, and another three points the sustainability thing is interesting because we've touched on it before where you look opposition fans it's always ipswich are going to fade away it's not sustainable <clears throat> it's a big thing at Elland Road, Leeds fans seem very adamant that it's not going to be a sustainable thing, but it, it comes from across the championship. Um, and I think that those arguments can't be discarded because there's always a sense where you can have a poor run, you can have a few games where you're not going to score or you're not going to pick up wins or you're just going to end up dropping points. And we've looked at the periods within the season where that could definitely be a possibility. I also think that going back to stats a little bit here, I don't think that if you look at these kind of stats and say this, this, this and this, it necessarily means that much. But when you look at what town are doing on the pitch, you use your eyes to see the kind of where they're playing, the goals that they're scoring, and then you then back it up with the figures like XG, like the way that they press with PPDA, like things like that. Everything that they're doing is being backed up by the numbers, which suggests that, at least from what we've seen, it absolutely is sustainable. So... All about how you apply these things as well on their own. They probably sound a little bit stupid when you start quoting these figures. But when you look at how town are playing week in, week out, and you have that argument of, oh, they can't do this throughout an entire season. Well, there's a lot of things that suggest that they can at least maintain somewhat near these standards across the next few months. Oh, yes, what, what's PP? What's it? PPDA. Oh, yeah. we had we had this discussion. Um, we, we did this, didn't we? I remember you, you drove me to a press conference and we spoke about this. PPDA is passes per defensive action. This oh, is going to send the into absolute meltdown. Jesus. Probably many people listening. Um, essentially calculates how many passes a team, the opponents, allowed to make before 
the team that you're looking at make a defensive action. Um, you look at that within the different sequences, and then that essentially calculates how much a team are pressing. So if a team are um, making a defensive action against their opponents every, let's say, six passes, it probably show that they're pressing quite a lot. Um, others might not town kind of towards the top end, but maybe not doing something like Leeds, who just under Daniel Farker run at you and try and murder you every kind of two passes at this rate. So, um, yeah, it's just a, a good way of backing up the kind of arguments that you want to make. Yeah, I'm day. not. Look, I'm not completely against stats. I know they're a huge part of the game, and I think I agree with you. It's it's looking at a trend over a course of a, mm. a block of games that you can. They can tell you a little something about sort of uh, underlying things they can back up, or you know what what your eye what your eye tells you. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? You look at the table now, thirty nine points. Um, I won't say joint top because they are second. <laughs> they're second on goal difference, but they're level on points with Leicester and sandwiched now between the three teams that will come down from the Premier League: Leicester, Leeds, Southampton. When you consider where those three clubs have been in recent years, um, pretty established top flight clubs that have, have had a fair whack of, of global TV money, that have got parachute payments behind them, that have still kept decent chunk of, of their squads from last season. For Ipswich to have kind of be up there with them as a newly promoted team that hasn't gone mad in terms of spending. We know they've got resources behind them but they haven't done anything crazy in the transfer window is is quite remarkable really and I think we do all need to keep reminding ourselves that Ipswich are I know not everyone will want to hear it are major underdogs in this in this sort of promotion fight now there's every reason to believe for what we've discussed that they can that they can last the pace and keep going but isn't it great as you say that there's fans of all these other clubs that are getting pretty pretty rattled at the moment they're pretty worried by what they're seeing yeah and of course town fans are getting their value for money definitely at Porton Road the, the goals we were speaking about and just the performances and the excitement and um yeah I think everyone's just pinching themselves aren't they but now we're just used to it now we're just we're a top six and you know top two um just enjoy it ladies and enjoy it and uh, we're now here at another international break the third of the season um, and boys, it's a good time, isn't it, for this international break? I feel a lot of players look tired out there, and of course, some, of course, will be going on international duty. But uh, a good time still, I'd say. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think um, what, what have we had in this this last block of games? Tr- going to Rotherham twice for the players, at least, uh, and for many of us as well. They would have gone up the night before the first time around. So two trips to Rotherham. They've gone to Bristol in midweek. Um, Rotherham in midweek, Birmingham away. Um, the type of opponents that they've faced have been sort of quite physical and awkward, not the type of teams that they enjoy playing stylistically. The weather conditions haven't been great at times. All in all, it's been a pretty testing little block. And for Ipswich to have come out of it um, with, what was it, uh, three wins, two draws? Does that sound right? Yeah, three wins, two draws. So, if, you know, considering we're talking about them being slightly off it, that's not bad, is it? Um, so I think this is this has been a, a good block of games 
and uh, the break has, has come at a nice little time. Now, I know that Kieran McKenna said that there, there isn't plans to play a friendly this time around. Uh, they'll just focus on the training. The players will, will get a little bit of time off this week and then um, and then they'll try and get themselves ready for, for West Brom, which is, um, you know, I think they're a team that are going to be very much in the top six mix from what, what I've seen of them. Yeah. I think there's two sides to this in the way because I think that looking at these block of the, the five games, it's felt like town have progressively built themselves up after that slow start and you look at the fact that the Rotherham game was called off they went to Bristol and they felt quite leggy they did the things they needed to to get the win and they it just felt like they were slowly building their legs up and I felt that the Swansea game was the one where you're like oh okay this is the town before the October international break and I think that from that perspective potentially it is a little bit of a, a difficult one to then say right well you're gonna go straight back onto a break again Maybe from my perspective, if you had another couple of games, let's say West Brom and Millwall before the international break, really good. On the flip side to that, they're going to need a break before December because you can't go and play all these games now and then go straight into having you know a trip to Middlesbrough who are in really good form, beat Leicester over the weekend. Um, Watford, you absolutely obliterated Rotherham and we'll, we'll touch on what happened after that in a minute, I'm sure. Um, and then obviously that kind of week of chaos where they've got Norwich, um, Leeds and Leicester back to back. So I think that it would have been nice to have had that string extended a little bit longer, potentially to have maintained what looks to be a real slow and steady improvement in terms of the fitness, in terms of the sharpness, but they're going to need a break in there at some point. Mm. And if it's to come now, it's going to be really yeah. good for them. That's the debate that we're always going to have, isn't it, about breaks? Do you, when you're winning, do you want to keep playing and keep riding that wave as long as possible? But we talked about them maybe mentally dropping off it in those last 15 minutes. Maybe it was a fatigue thing as well. Maybe that was just them catching up on, on them a little bit. We have talked about one or two players along the way just looking a little bit leggy. So, um, yeah. The, the breaks are what they are. That's what we knew that was going to happen with, with championship football. It gives someone like Wes Burns, it was good to see him get back on in the in the latter stages from, from his shoulder injury to, to get himself fully right for the restart. Um, they've had a bit of illness around the camp as well, uh, apparently, recently. So that, that will help, um, you know, sort that out. So, um, yeah, chance for us all to have a breather because this, this next block, as Alex has touched upon, is um, it's looking tasty. Yeah, tasty indeed. Um, should we quickly round up the championship then, boys? Um, some you know key talking points. Um, you know, Leicester, of course, losing against Middlesbrough, as we, we already know, a late goal for them from Mark Carrot's team. And there's been another casualty in the managers, um, uh, another black manager sacked. This time it's Matt Taylor of Rotherham. And as you mentioned, AJ, they lost 5 0 at Watford on the weekend. And he's another one as part of the, the crew have been sacked. Um, how many is that now? Seven from the championship since the season started. So we're not factoring in, you know, all the movement over the summer with changes like Russell Martin, things like that. If you look at since the championship started, seven changes, a um, couple of resignations. You've got things like Rowett's mutual consent, but this is sacking season at its prime. Um, don't necessarily know if we'd be done there. If you look maybe towards the bottom end of uh, the championship, if there'd be some others who'd be tempted to make a move or our uh, friends up the road potentially as well, albeit that they won over the weekend. Um, 
I don't think we're done with the sackings yet. No. Hey, um, Stu, any other sort of highlights from you from the chat shit results-wise? Uh, Wayne Rooney got another defeat, unfortunately. Um, a late goal for Old City against Huddersfield. Um, Millwall mm. beat Sheffield Wednesday, which was, you know, Sheffield Wednesday. They're, 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 they're screwed, aren't they, Stu? It's interesting. Sorry, I feel like I've kind of yeah. cut in a little bit here. But with, with the Millwall side, I think it's interesting as well. It's um, Big win. Joe Edwards' first game in charge, and I think he's kind of cut from a similar cloth. Kieran McKenna, I've seen a lot of Millwall fans talking on Twitter about, well, when they were looking at the people that uh, were, were rumoured with the job, you look at Nathan Jones, for example, John Eustace was another one, and then they had John, Joe Edwards, who was linked, um, been an assistant at a couple of uh, Premier League clubs, was working under Frank Lampard at, I think, both Chelsea and Everton, then took the England youth job, um, comes in as a young coach, really. It does feel like there are similarities. And when you look at the approach that a lot of these clubs are taking now, I think, A, yeah, you're seeing it a lot more. You look at Danny Roll at um, Sheffield Wednesday from a similar thing, worked on the Hasenhut at Southampton. And there are others even going down the, the football pyramid. For example, what Gillingham did, pretty much doing the same kind of thing. Um, I think that there is a lot of trying to emulate what Town have done with Kieran McKenna. He seems to be what the, the, yeah, the pattern that clubs are going after and definitely that looks to be with what Millwall are doing. Uh, I've always got a little half an eye on on Norwich up the road, to be honest, with that game getting closer and closer. The fear, as we've said before, is that they'll hit their low and sort of get a new maybe a new manager bounce before then. So for them to, to come back and beat Cardiff might give Wagner a stay of execution. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Um, yeah, we'll have, we'll have to see on that score, won't we? But yeah, Leeds, Southampton, we always felt that once Russell Martin kind of imprinted his principles on Southampton and they got through a bit of a transitional period with the squad at their disposal, that they would, they would come on strong and that's, that's looking the case as well. So um, some strong, strong, strong opposition for Ipswich at that that top end of the table. But as we keep saying, third of the season gone. There's a hell of a platform there now. There is a margin for error. We talked about there probably will be uh, some bumps in the road. There might be a little a little spell as there was, you know, last season where things don't go all Ipswich's way. But if they can keep kind of digging out points at the, the times where they're not at their best and and keep keep doing so well at Portman Road um, there certainly looks to be a recipe for success in place at the moment doesn't there it does indeed um, boys to end the podcast we've got a big question I was um, asked this on Instagram by good old Dane and it's a question on the uh, the three big games in December Norwich Leicester and Leeds and the question is win draw or lose which one would you want against either team so who wants to take this first um, good question um, of course, you know, it's December game. Of course, there's some other games big in December. Of course, I think Middlesbrough is going to be a big game as well. You know, Mock Carrot, Kemp, Kieran McKenna going head-to-head. But in terms of the three highlighted one there, of course, Norwich, the, the rivalry. We haven't beaten them since 2009. First derby in four years. Leicester, us battling them on the top. Leeds, of course, they beat the only team that's beaten us so far in the league this season. Um, what do you reckon then, boys? What, where, what do you want? I'll take this one because I do think that we will probably all have the same answer as I said when we were discussing this one earlier. Um, Norwich win. Let's get that one straight off. Let's end this run of this undefeated, sorry, un- winless run. 
Um, that's that's the priority, I think. It, it would be to win that one um, because the bragging rights there, would you say they're more important than, than taking wins against the real promotion rivals? I don't know, but I think that's the one that everyone wants. I'd then do draw against Leeds because I think that if you can avoid them doing the double overview, that shows something. And going to Elland Road and getting a point on their current form with the talent that they have going there frustrating would be really good. Um, Leicester are obviously on a little bit of a rocky run and I know that it's at the moment first and second, but I do expect them to eventually find their feet under a very innovative manager who just seems to have a way of figuring things out. He's a, a smart guy and albeit that they've got a bit of a tough run at the moment, I think he will. Um, and by the time it comes to boxing there, I kind of think it'll be a little bit of a free hit in a way. Um, if town then go and lose that one, especially if they've gone and got four points from the previous week, it might be a, a little bit of a tough one to take, but I think that would be the one that I would be least concerned about. Okay. Stu, where, where are you going with it? Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. It's a no-brainer on Norwich, isn't it? Um, uh, yeah, if we said anything else, I think everyone would be would be shouting at us here now. Uh, and also, because it's the first of those three games, it really sets the tone as well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and then it's probably a bit of a toss-up between the other two. I'm inclined to go with, with Alex because it's Ellen Road, because it's they've lost to him once already this season. But Boxing Day in front of your own fans as well. That you know that that is something to consider. But um, yeah, it's just smile. Really thinking about those, how big those three games are all coming in in such a short space of time. Hopefully, uh, Ipswich are in, in good shape going going into those ones. I think pick your battles as well. If um, Town managed to keep a gap on Leeds and finish above Leeds at the end of the season. I'd be astonished if they weren't in the top two. Okay, that might sound a little bit crazy to be talking about in uh, November, but I I do still think that Leicester are that team that won't go and blow teams away necessarily, but they're just going to grind results. I know it hasn't worked for them, but I do think that it's going to be hard to catch their consistency over the course of the season. I think Leeds are prone to dropping points and I think it is a case probably of looking down rather than up still in terms of that chasing pack and if you can maintain it and build on it then that's going to be Town's best chance of uh, really maintaining and then fighting for going up the season. This, the, the Christmas period last year, I'm just looking at it, which played Wickham, Oxford, Portsmouth, Lincoln... And now a year on, we keep talking about these markers. We're now looking ahead to, and there is plenty of games to come between now and then, of course. So we shouldn't we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves too much. But now we're talking about everything being on Sky, Norwich, Leeds, Leicester. Um, yeah, we do have to keep reminding ourselves how how far things have come in such a short space of time. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be boring as well. I've pretty much got the same as you boys, even though I think the Norwich game, I don't mind drawing that one, which is controversial, Ooh. ladies and gentlemen. But, but then, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a difficult one. But yeah, like Boxing Day still, I, I like to, you know, have a win or at least a point on Boxing. I don't want to leave 
you know, be a little bit disappointed and lose. It's just, you know. But... There is an argument, Ross. Like, if you really wanted to take sort of, if you wanted to go with head over heart and really Ooh. sort of separate the emotion <laughs> from it, you could say not, not to lose the Norwich game, but you could say a draw in that one and maybe it's better to to beat Leeds, for example. And that is, you know, away from home, beat Leeds. That's a bigger statement in terms of yeah. the league and the position and stuff like that. But I don't think you're going to get any Ipswich fan, given what's gone on <laughs> over the last 15, 20 years, uh, arguing anything other than, than that. I mean, I've even seen people take it to the nth degree and say, would you rather lose mm. every game between now and then and beat <laughs> Norwich or or win every game and lose to Norwich. That's how far people are willing to take this argument. I mean, that's a, a no-brainer. Of course it is. But, um, yeah, interesting debate. Yeah, we shall see. Let us know, ladies and gentlemen. Let us know. Uh, but I'm going for an uh, issue win against Norwich, guys. Don't worry about that. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just put that, just an extra little thing there, just to spice it up a little bit. But um, interesting indeed. Well, boys, um, been a good pod. I've enjoyed it. Been good chatting with you. Um, any other business? I uh, just want to quickly give a shout out to the Tractor Girls who won their first round FA Cup game uh, against Northampton Town. They won 6 0. Um, nice little setup there where um, where they played. So a big shout out to, to Northampton Seably. I think they're called Rangers. Seably for Rangers. Nice little setup. Yeah, 6 0 win. The second round draw. Um, will be probably out by the time this pod's out and they could potentially get Norwich. That would be interesting. A nice little derby in the FA Cup, but we shall see. Also, Needham Market's in there as well. Shout out to Needham Market women's team. They um, had to score two late goals to progress, so uh, fair play to them. But um, Stu, actually, there's some other business for you because you've got to shout out a very special podcast that we're going to be dropping later this week. Yep. Tease it. Well, you remember Mark said before a few weeks ago that we had something special coming up and then then we had to say sheepishly, actually, we haven't. Well, I was due to sit down with Mark Ashton during the last international break. He ended up getting uh, called away to go and see the owners in America. So that's why that didn't happen. But I did get the chance to uh, to have that chat with him early stages of last week, Monday before the Rotherham game. So, um, yeah, that's... Uh, been videoed in the town tv studio and uh, we'll put that out as audio as video lots of written content um covered covered a variety of bases from from ed sheeran and fabio wardley to the start of the season um potentially interesting kieran mckenna uh, the january transfer window coming up so um yeah keep your eyes out for that that should be with people towards the uh latter end of this week Indeed. Tune in, ladies and gentlemen. Um, AJ, any other business from you? Um, it's just now international duty time. Um, there's, of course, Nathan Broadhead, Massimo and um, Cam Burgess, they've mm-hmm. been called up, haven't they? Other players as well. No no Wes Burns. Of course, he did make his return, of course, on Saturday, which was good to see. Uh, no Sam Morsey for Egypt. But, um, but, yeah, international duty is here for us now. Yeah, I feel like I'm turning into a glitter ball with the fact that I've switched the screen and I've got like all the little specks of light on me. Uh, yeah, I'll be doing um, the usual. I feel like I've turned into Ipswich's international correspondent a little bit. I've been watching so much S4C in the last few weeks. Um, I'll be having a look at how players are getting on and um, we'll have a roundup in terms of who's playing where coming out in the next few days and a lot of... Uh, yeah, looking at them. Fantastic that Wes Burns is not in the squad. I'm really sorry, Wes. You're a fantastic footballer and you deserve an incredible international career. But I'm terrified you're going to go and get injured for the third time on international duty. Um, yeah, that's, it's a bit of a 
slow period, isn't it? But um, I think they need it um, coming back into kind of this. I think the only way I can describe it is the Sky Sports Ipswich period, where I think let me have a look at the games they've got. We've got West Brom on TV, Millwall's a feature TV game, um, two off then, and then they'll have Watford as a TV game, Norwich as a TV game, Leeds as a TV game, Leicester as a TV game. Uh, that's before the turn of the year. So, uh, blimey, strap in, folks. Indeed, strap in. Well, um, it's been a great pod, boys. Um, as we mentioned, Mark Ashton podcast later on in the week. Uh, also, Track the Girls Talk podcast as well to talk about the FA Cup win and who they get in the draw. Um, as ever, to end the pods, um, of course, shout out to our sponsors, Manscaped, use the code KOA to get 20% off and free delivery on the that special stuff, you know, it's for your nose, your beard, your, you know, balls and all that. Uh, and also, of course, Ginger Pickle for your all your SEO Said it right. Marketing needs, check out Junior Pickle. Tony Southgate and the team will sort you out. Um, and as always, check out our merch. If you want a, a Christmas you know, present for someone, get a mug, get a hat, get a jumper, get a T-shirt, get a mouse mat. I think there's mouse mats there. Um, and that's it, really. Um, hope you've enjoyed your week. Um, shout out to all the fans um, for another great atmosphere on Saturday. And uh, we're back for our pod very soon. So let's tune into that. And uh, bye-bye for now.